Crime Scene and Cupcakes is an independent podcast created in the Anchor app, funded mainly through advertising. The podcast often has coarse language and disturbing content. Please listen wisely. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and this case is just one of the many that make me absolutely crazy, as I have been approached about cases in Wichita from previous years, and as we know, my friend Krista Martin's cases in 1989 But any of the old cases that are involved in Wichita, one of the biggest questions is, we have no idea what happened. And so, you know, a lot of what I do is I'm I'm researching archives, I'm going through things, and it's a nightmare trying to find out if the case was closed, if it's still active, um, because you don't get communication back that's that's not even happening (laughs) so you have to try to do your own research and in doing so it, it just there's nothing really out there when it comes to that so let me just tell you it, it, it is a nightmare to try to find out if older cases in wichita have even been solved so this is what I've been able to get on the case of Mary Krupper. And I'm hoping with your guys' help and if we share this case and if we share information, we can hopefully get the attention of the Wichita Police Department. We can get more information and we can find out, is Mary Krupper's case closed or are they still investigating it? Was there still an active man in a brown maverick who had been abducting women in Wichita in the 70s and 80s? Did they follow that up or not? I mean, there's so many questions, but here we go. So before we get started, I want to warn you, the audio might be a little different. I'm on bed rest, and so we are coming to you from my bed. And um, not only that, my I have some very wonderful cuddlers with me. I have four very adorable sleeping puppies with me on the bed. And so I'm hoping they're going to be very well behaved as we record this episode. So, let's get into it. On September 8th of 1977, it was a quiet night in Wichita, Kansas. It's around 5 p.m. Richard Krupper gives his wife $5 to pick up a few items at the store for them to make up for dinner. Now, it's been about an hour later, and his wife had not returned home. So Richard, becoming worried, hops into his car and thinks, okay, 
maybe the car got flat, it broke down, you know, it, it was an old white station wagon, maybe it had some problems. And so he decides to go trace her route to the store and see if there were any issues. And his whole ride to the store, he finds nothing. And so he calls the police department and he explains to them that Mary would be the last person you would ever expect to go missing. She was a happy person, lots of friends, well-loved, and they had a very good marriage. Mary had a part-time substitute teaching job. She also taught upholstery classes at the local Wichita Votech. Richard had a great job. Everything was going great for them. So the Wichita police is like, okay, let's retrace her steps. So when they get to the farmer's art market, they find out it's not the first time the Wichita police department has been there that day. They find out the police were called earlier to investigate an assault of a 20 year old woman. She had informed the police that she had been shopping at the store when she noticed a man following her. So she ends up leaving the store and the guy approaches her in the parking lot. He had tried to force her into his vehicle, but she managed to get away and run to a nearby guardhouse. The guardhouse was in front of Cargill Meat Industries, which is a pretty big business here in Wichita. Now, I'm not quite sure why she chose to run to Cargill versus running back to the store. I, I'm not sure how it was set up at that time. Um, if it was just the area she was in, if that was her closest place to get to. Um, but that's, she ends up at Cargill. So the guard sees the guy get into his car and he takes off. His car is a brown four-door Maverick. So then together they call the police. But initially the police aren't really linking those two cases. They put out an alert for Mary Krepper. She's 47 years old, wearing glasses, jeans, and a blue short sleeve sweatshirt with the saber-toothed tiger on front. Her husband says he knows she didn't run off because she had only $5 on her that day. Then, about four days later, on Wednesday, September 12th, the search comes to an end. When someone spots her white station wagon and contacts the Wichita police, it was found in a residential area that morning. So, lead investigator comes on the scene, and his name is Lieutenant Bernie Drowowski. Wonder if any of you remember that name. This is the same investigator who is also, at this time, working the Ruth Finley Poet case. The investigator who he and his wife have become really good friends with Finley and her husband. 
This is the case where it turned out to be a fabricated story that cost the city manpower, but was cited not to have to have placed charges because it didn't cause any malicious harm. So he's that guy. So keep that in mind as we talk about this case. Now, the poet case is active at this time. In fact, just two months prior to the Mary Krupper case being, prior to Mary Krupper being murdered, Ruth Finley had just stabbed herself and the police had ramped this investigation into overdrive. Mary officers out the yin-yang driving around her house. I mean, there was, again, $350,000 worth of manpower was being used with Ruth. So, Drowatsky tells reporters that a neighbor said they had seen a man drive the white station wagon to the spot in that neighbor neighborhood about 10 p.m. that Saturday night. Mary Krupper disappeared. The neighbor said it was too dark and they were unable to give a description of the man. But police had found in the back of the car some hamburger, a can of spaghetti sauce, a bag of bread rolls, and a sack of peanuts. Now that showed she had just finished shopping and returned the items to her car before she was taken. The police had also found cigarette butts and lots of fingerprints on the passenger side of the car. So we're thinking, okay, hopefully there we've got DNA, we've got fingerprints, um, what ended up happening there? Was it used? Did you find anything? Are you still waiting to use it? Did you already use it? Because we can't ever find anything else on this. We know they have it. What happened to it? So the police are feeling like, okay, great. We're getting somewhere. Mary wasn't in the car, though, so we are going to intensify our efforts. We're going to try to find her. But then, shortly after they find the car, because this is in the morning, about 9.30, which is just not that long later, a police helicopter spots her body. And again, I'm going to show you a map of where this all happens, and it is all so close together. Um... And on that map, she's surrounded by trees and sunflowers, but she was still fully clothed, laying on her back. The police believe she had been there since the night she had gone missing. After examination by the coroner's office, it was confirmed that she died the same Saturday evening she had gone missing. It was determined that she had been strangled and time of death was somewhere between 5 and 10 p.m. Now the press asked Dorowski after the autopsy report is revealed if witch tents need to be worried because there is a guy abducting women. Could he be the same guy who killed Mary Krupper? And Lieutenant Dorowski states he does not believe the cases are related. Now, he said he had received two reports of a man in a brown four-door Maverick 
trying to force women into his car near the grocery store on North Broadway. And it was the same store Mary Krepper had been seen shopping in before she disappeared. But Mary Krepper had been forced into her own car. So he believed it was a different person because the guy before was using his car to try to get women into, but this guy forced into Mary into her own car. So he said the MOs were different, so he believed it to be a different man. So that would mean two kidnappers at the same place at the same time. And that would either mean, okay, we've got the poet, we've got BTK. I mean, what the hell? Why not add a few more kidnappers? We've got multiple claiming serial killers. Why not multiple kidnappers to the mix? But then we, the next day, Grotsky changes his tune. Because he actually talks to the witnesses. It's a crazy idea. But he does it. And this is what he pieces together. Around 4 p.m., a witness states the man described in the composite. That again, we're going to have on our Instagram page. He leans against a brown maverick. Which we're going to have some pictures of some brown mavericks too. So you can hopefully look at them. And maybe if you're were around at that period of time they might bring back something in your memory he speaks to this woman and then follows her into the store he creeps her out so she decides to just leave the store however she doesn't tell anyone about what happened she just chalks it up to a creepy weirdo being a creepy weirdo but she starts to regret regret that decision. And later on, after she finds out about Mary Krepper's death, she notifies the police about the Brown Maverick guy. Now we know between 4.30 and 5 o'clock, Mary Krepper gets $5 from her husband and heads out to pick up things to make a spaghetti dinner. Between 5 and 5.30, the store clerk says she sees Mary Krupper in the store shopping, and the same man is now following Mary Krupper. She says that she actually sees this guy trying to engage Krupper in conversation. Mary Krupper then checks out, and he starts following her out of the store. Again, why nobody intervenes on this. I mean, I understand it's a different time period, but it just seems crazy to me. At 7.15 that night, a fourth witness is the one we discussed earlier at Cargill. She's the one that finally sounds the alarm about Brown Maverick Guy after he attempts to abduct her. He starts off by offering her a ride, which she politely declines, telling him she's married. He lets her know that's fine, because he is too. And when he's saying that, is when he actually starts and makes a grab for her. And that's when she decides to make a run to the Cargill guardhouse. 
So, finally, one week after Mary Krepper has been abducted and murdered, two other abductions attempted, Lieutenant Jorowski and the Wichita Police Department finally notify the citizens of Wichita that a man with medium complexion, possibly Hispanic, 30 to 35 years of age, brownish hair combed back on the sides and balding in the middle with dark rimmed glasses. And again, we're going to have this on Instagram. Who has a brown maverick that he seems to take really good care of. It's really clean. It's got chrome down the door. It's got chrome on around the sides. He is trying to abduct women in Wichita. So, it finally goes out in the news. It finally tells women, okay, you might want to be aware of this guy. And it finally does something proactive. Now, we were curious when that happened, and we decided to look in the classifieds. And we did see two ads for a brown maverick for sale in the classifieds the day after that article runs. So we did find that interesting. Also, we would like people from that time period, if you could, if you could just think back and you look at those pictures on Instagram and just think back about your relationships and your childhood. Because this guy said he's married. He could possibly have a family. Do you remember that car? Do you remember anybody who might look like that? Anyone who might have been acting weird? A little different? Because it, sometimes it takes years and then, then it's like, wait a minute. Okay, I don't know exactly what date that was, but yeah, when I was a kid, there was something odd there. They did get rid of that car. So, I do, I'm just asking you guys to think about it. So, everything goes quiet in the Mary Krepper case for a while. Until January 19th of 1980. And then 23-year-old Curly L. Shears is charged with two counts of kidnapping and two counts of aggravated robbery. These abductions took place in Northeast Wichita. The first happened at Wesley Medical Center and the second at the IGA at 61st Street and North Broadway. Shears had used a butcher knife to intimidate the women by putting it to their throats and forcing them into their car. The first woman was forced to shop at the IGA with him, pretending to be a girlfriend and to make a check out to cash to him so he could get the money. However, when the victim sees a police officer, she makes a break for it and runs. And that's when Shears runs and grabs another woman, forces her into her car, and at knife point, and drives away, 
but then gets the car stuck in mud. And the police are in pursuit, and they are then able to take Shears into custody. Now, the police believe that Shears may have something to do with the previous abductions and the Mary Krepper case. But then, with that article, that's the last thing I can find. I have been combing, trying to find court documents on Shears. I have been combing, trying to find anything I can. Um, I have requested records. I've been trying to get whatever I can. Um, so I don't know if they were able to close out Mary Krepper's case and say Shears did it. Uh, to me, 23 years old and they had said the suspect in the other case was 30 to 35. Um, Hispanic and this gentleman, they do not give us a description. I can't find a picture. So, it, it's very interesting. And so, I, I, I would love to see some more information on this case. And, and I am going to promise to keep digging on this case because I feel like there needs to be some closure. I feel like we need to know, did this case get closed? Because I know there are some neighbors of Mary Krupper who never found out what the hell happened in this case. And had this guy abducted more people? Was he responsible? Did he get more people? Because I would find it odd to kill one and done. That's a very unusual way to behave. If you have no relationship to that victim. So, once again, we have a lot of questions. And very few answers. And that's become such a focus of what we are doing anymore. Is trying to find those answers. And trying to remind people that there are so many unsolved cases here in Wichita that we're hoping we can bring back out to the media to let family and friends know they have not been forgotten. And we're going to keep their names alive until they can get justice. Our next case we're going to talk about is Sandra Talbot which was another case that happened in 1977. She had been abducted and had gone missing for quite some time. And to me, I just find all of that all very timely and very interesting. So, guys, listen to us next week as we talk about the Sandra Talbot case. And also, I hope that you guys can get on and answer some of our questions. Were you around Wichita in the 70s to 80s? Do you remember hearing about the Mary Krepper case? Do you know anybody that was involved with the Mary Krepper case?
do you have any information about the Mary Kerper case? And please share these types of informations. Share the composite. Share those other informations on your page because that still is information that needs to be shared. If someone is still out there, they need to be stopped. We have too many unsolved cases in Wichita, Kansas. And what gets me is I can't imagine how frustrating it is. I know it feels frustrating for me that the answer to Krista Martin's case lies with somebody besides the killer. Someone else besides the killer has to know what happened or has to know some piece of information and they are choosing to be quiet. All of our peace of minds rely on a person who just doesn't want to tell. They may not want to tell because they are too frightened. They may not want to tell because they feel a loyalty to that person. They may not want to tell because they are afraid of what it means for them. But if you have family of your own, you must know what family and friends are going through. It's torture for them every day. And it's got to be torture for you to know that, to live with that every day and wonder because there is no statue of limitations on murder. And there are podcasters out there who are going to keep bringing these old cases up. These cases do not die. We aren't going to make them go away. It's That's why we are out here not making any money from this at all. We're doing this to keep these victims' names in the social media, in the light, so that you know they aren't forgotten. So that you know we're going to keep bugging the hell out of you about it. We're going to keep them on your conscience. We're going to keep you thinking about them. We're going to make sure you keep seeing their pictures. You keep hearing their stories. Because someday it's got to get to you. If you are a human being, do the right thing. You can do it anonymously. Call Crime Stoppers. Give them a tip and just put the case so that somebody can have some resolution. We're begging you. 
let's start putting some of these cases to rest so that these families can finally get a little bit of sleep at night. Thank you guys for listening.